the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That game in about four and a half hours. The Colts of three. And you know how I roll if, if you watch a YouTube channel at all. When a, uh, a preseason game is three or more points in favor of one team or the, another, you bet the underdog. Because nobody's trying to win these games despite the fact that they say the opposite. They say, oh, no, we love to win preseason. They don't care. It, 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 winning preseason games is not a bellwether for regular season success, and that's just the way it is. And that's the way this thing works. The preseason is about evaluation, and it's about operation. Can you operate? Can you evaluate? Can you get your roster to the 53 best players? Then you expose everybody else to waivers. And you find out what, what areas of your operation are a little bit flawed and need some work. So you've got 15 days from tonight, two weeks starting tomorrow, right, before the opener. So you get to clean up everything that you blow in the first half tonight. And that's an important thing. You are, uh, you're going to find out what you can do and what you cannot do. You're going to find that out tonight in the first half on both sides of the ball. Colt, they need Matt Ryan to show that he's got some chemistry with his, uh, uh, with his guys, with his, his people. And when he does that with his receivers and, and tight ends, I'm sorry, I was, I was tweeting a link to this show. So I was a little bit distracted. Usually I do that, and I'm seamless with it, but I wasn't this time, and I wanted to explain. At any rate, you, you want to see that Matt Ryan can hit Michael Pittman Jr. in space. You want to see that with Paris Campbell. You want to see it with Alec Pierce. You want to see it with Johnny Woods and Mo Ali Cox. Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor are not going to play, and so you're not going to see it with those guys. In fact, JT won't get a single rep this preseason. They, they're saving all those bullets for the regular season, and I don't blame them. We just did a YouTube pregame. And I'm going to share something that was asked during the YouTube pregame, and that is about Jonathan Taylor. All right, Jonathan Taylor had 332 carries last year, 332. And he averaged 5.454 yards per carry. If Jonathan Taylor is going to get to 2,000 yards, and every Colts fan on the planet should hope that he doesn't, he would have to run for 300 and si- or th- run 366 times. That's 22 carries per game in order to get to that 2,000 yards. Nobody in the NFL wants a, a running back to carry the ball three th- that often. You don't want to run it that often. Here's what you want. Here's what Frank Reich wants, according to Frank Reich, when he took, took the job with the Colts. He wants to throw the ball 57% of the time. That's what he wants. He doesn't want to run it 400 times with Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Philip Lindsay, whoever he's got. You know, and, and what you had last year also is you had a guy in Carson Wentz who wasn't afraid to tuck it and run too at 3.8 yards per carry. You want to be able to throw it, and you want to be able to throw it efficiently and effectively, and if you can do that, you can win football games, and here's what that means. The standard for that is seven yards per attempt. If you are over seven, you got a pretty good chance of making the playoffs if you're the Indianapolis Colts. That's what's happened in the past. Last year, 
Carson Wentz was 6.9. Uh, in 2019, Jacoby Brissett was, I think, 6.7. In 2017, I think he was 6.6. The intervening years, Andrew Luck in 18 was over 7. Philip Rivers was at 7.7. So you get over 7 yards per passing attempt, and you got a chance to go to the playoffs. If you are under that standard, you have a, a very scant chance. And here's another piece of statistical information that uh, maybe you'll find interesting. And that's that when Matt Ryan was sacked 40 or more times in Atlanta, the Falcons didn't make the playoffs. When he was sacked less than that, they always made the playoffs. It was just kind of that simple. So if you keep Matt Ryan up upright, if you design the offense to get have him get rid of the ball quickly and your offensive line isn't a leaky sieve as his lines last four years were in Atlanta, you got a really good chance to operate at a high level. And if you operate well offensively, I think this defense is going to be good enough to carry you to an AFC South title. That's how this works. The defense is good enough if the offense is good enough. This is a call-in pregame uh, special talking about the Indianapolis Colts. And if you want to join us, activate yourself as a caller. You can ask a question. You can make a comment however you want to work it. This is like sports talk radio, but on your smartphone. That's what call-in is. That's what call-in does. I dig it. I enjoy the shows because it's interactive. And while the YouTube channel is interactive, I have to read as I talk when I get comments and I get questions. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I enjoy it. But this is like we can have an actual conversation and an actual dialogue where you say something, I say something, and then I can ask you a follow-up question if I have a mind to, and, and we have a nice conversation. That, to me, is fun. It, it, it's more fun to me, you know, kind of standing and, and looking into a camera and talking. Here, I get to kind of pace around the room and, and talk, to, talk to you no matter where you are. And we usually do this in the preseason at the end of the third quarter. Not doing that this time. This time, we did the uh, YouTube immediately uh, prior to this, as we always do. But we did it a few hours in advance uh, instead of at halftime and, and then do the, the call-in as the game keeps going in the third quarter, because I don't think people are going to pay a lot of attention to the third quarter of this game and beyond because the starters aren't going to be there. All right, let's, uh, let's talk to Aisha. Aisha, make sure and unmute yourself. You're new to the show. We haven't had an Aisha yet. So uh, what is your comment about the Colts? Wait, you got a question or what? <laughs> and Aisha decided, no. We are not playing this game today, and they have left the program. I kind of had a feeling. I saw the uh, I saw the picture, and I said, "Hmm, Aisha, that I, I'm not sure." But hey, you know what? Let's see. That's what we did. So if you want to talk, activate yourself. I appreciate it. Make sure and unmute yourself after I uh, move you up in the queue, and and we'll talk about the Colts today. Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. They're going to have the roof open. When the game starts, it's going to be like 82 degrees. When it ends, it's going to be about 75. And, and please, Indianapolis and Colts fans, don't whine about the roof being open and say, you know, it, it got a little bit windy. Oh, I had a chill. 
or, ooh, I was in the sun for four seconds and, and I started to get a little bit warm. We, we don't need to be those kinds of boneheads, do we? We don't need to be indoors to enjoy football, for God's sake. We can be outdoors. Look at the people in Buffalo, Green Bay, right? Chicago, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. It's cold there all the time. They got snow. Foxborough, New York. Those climates are north of Indianapolis. And somehow, some way, the people there, they enjoy their, their time, right? Watching football out in the elements. We can do the same. All right, let's uh, let's talk to Bruce. Bruce, make sure and unmute yourself. How are you doing this afternoon? Pretty good, Kent. How about yourself? I couldn't be better. I, this, I get excited for game days. It's going to be fun. There's a lot going on in town, so it's a good weekend. Yep, I'm excited too. So I just wanted to let you know the main stat I care about for Jonathan Taylor this year is I hope he leaves the league and those uh, explosive plays like he did last year, most 70-yard, yeah. 50-, 60-yard plays. That's the stat I hope he continues to roll with. And I hope this, uh, Bruce, I hope that it, uh, like we remember last year, it was this way a little bit with JT, and it was also this way with Edron James, that the more he ran the football, the more likely those explosive plays were to come. He seemed to get better. The more rundown the the defense kind of got through the run blocking of the O line and through him kind of you know hitting guys in the in the kidneys with his pads, mm-hmm. let's hope yeah. that you know he doesn't need to get to carry twenty to become the guy that we really like as the best running back in the NFL. That he can do it with those first team first fifteen carries, and that's all that's required. Hey, I got a question for you. Sure. So you've been going to the practices, right? Yes. So um, has JT looked in form and practice? Yeah. Because I'm assuming that they see that JT <laughs> is right on track, and that's why he's not per, you know, participating in preseason, really. He looks really, really good. And even in non-contact, you know, non-contact, usually like a linebacker like EJ Speed or one of the DBs, is going to be there and is going to put hands on the running back or a receiver and kind of like two-hand touch football and say, okay, if we were hitting, you'd be going down. Guys can't even do that. It, it was, it, to me, in the non-contact drills, he was very Barry Sanders-like, where guys so were kind in- of like, whoops, you know, and he was gone. They thought he was going to be here, but he was over there. It seemed like that to me. I think that he is a, a chance to be more efficient and better this year than he was last year without piling up the stats. It'd be, uh, we'd love to see him run for 2,000 yards, right? But if he runs for 2,000 yards, the Colts are 9-8 and eight again. And yeah, so, they, you know, we don't want that. So. so you're saying that the practices are more violent than the Pro Bowl? <laughs> yeah yeah well for sure when they go when they go 11 on 11 full contact yeah especially the practices against the lines with the lines they were they were more violent than the pro bowl that's for sure that's funny thank you bruce appreciate it no enjoy the game tonight yep. yep you too all right that's bruce uh anybody else wants to activate themselves Go, go for it. Uh, knock yourselves out, and uh, and we'll talk because that's fun. At any rate, um, yeah, that's funny. It, it, you know, really, the the competitive practices between the Colts and the Lions were were actually uh, pretty cool.
and and a lot of fun. Let's uh, let's take a call from. Uh, I'll get Jake up here. Here we go. Um, yeah, there's Jake. Jake, make sure and unmute yourself. How you doing this afternoon? Pretty good. How about yourself? I couldn't be better. I, this is that you know what? We don't get enough of these days, especially in about eight weeks. This is going to be over. So the weather's perfect in central Indiana. We got this to me is good football weather. Got a concert up at Ruoff, uh, Keith Urban. You got things going around in town. And, and so this is a nice weekend. We're having fun. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. Um, I did notice one stat a while ago that the last time Matt Ryan had a 1,000-yard rusher, he won the MVP. So I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP by any stretch of the means, but I'm saying how will that translate into winning football for, for Matt Ryan? You know what? He is one of the absolute best practitioners of the play-action pass. He is really, really good at, at play-action fakes. And, and so I think, and, and not that Wentz wasn't, but when, I, I don't think that it was a priority with Wentz to be that deal, detail-oriented with his work. But with, with Matt Ryan, he is. And so I think having a guy there who forces opposing defenses to stack the box with seven minimum and eight sometimes, I think that that's going to make it very easy for Matt Ryan to find the open receiver and and get the ball to that guy in a place where he can run a little bit with it. And so I think that that's going to be where this offense really starts to take off because of Matt Ryan being paired with Jonathan Taylor. And that just wasn't a thing with, with Carson Wentz. I, I thought Carson Wentz played quarterback with, with an arrogance. And, and I think confidence is really good for a quarterback, but I think arrogance gets you beat. And, and I thought that that was, that was kind of the Achilles heel for, for Carson Wentz was that sort of arrogance that led him to make bold decisions that he thought his talent could kind of uh, could pay off. But that's not really what wound up happening. Um, Matt Ryan is a really good decision maker and a guy who gets rid of the ball quickly. There, you're going to see, here's one bad thing with Matt Ryan. And it's not necessarily bad because I think that the the good outweighs the bad, but he gets the ball to guys quick. Like as they come out of their cuts, the ball is there. That is, and if you're a tenth of a second too early, you're that's going to be a drop. It's going to hit a guy like Mo Ali Cox right in the hand. It's going to drop because he didn't see it coming. He had just come out of his cut. Matt Ryan gets it there like on time, really on time. And, and because he gets it to guys on time, they can pick up yards after the catch in numbers that you couldn't with a guy like Carson Wentz. But it's also going to cause occasional drops. And I think it's going to cause an uptick in picks, too, where Carson Wentz had seven last year, right? 27 touchdowns, seven picks. I don't think the ratio is going to be that positive for Matt Ryan. I think it's going to be more like I think he's going to have more touchdowns. It wouldn't surprise me to see him with like 33 touchdowns and 10 to 12 interceptions, because I think there are going to be some tipped balls as he gets the ball to guys exactly on time, but the guy's a little bit late coming out of his cut, if that makes sense. What do you think, Jake? No, I'm right there with you. Um, I'm thinking right around like 30-something touchdowns with about like 12 interceptions, I think I was. Yeah. Uh, I predicted for him. Um, 
I personally think he'll break the 4,000-yard mark. I know you've said a couple times, at least on YouTube, he might not break it. Um, I think he could, but that's just me. You know, I think the optimum number for him, I think it'd be about 4,400, 4, If he gets there, that's a really, really good thing because JT is going to get his yards. Naheem Hines is going to get some yards. They're going to be able to run the football effectively. So I don't think that they're going to be as pass heavy as the Falcons were, for instance, like in 2018, when I think Matt had 4,900 yards. And, and they're going to try to eat clock. And they're going to, that's sort of the way they're going to defend as well. You know, there, mm-hmm. there are some similarities between Gus Bradley and Matt Eberflus. And, and one of those is they'll give up yards between the, co- the 20s with that cover three. Uh, but they'll stiffen at the 20 in that red zone. And uh, I, I think the Gus Bradley is a huge upgrade. But you're going to see some more offensive uh, drives for the opposition that last a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to keep, you know, Matt Ryan's numbers down. It's not going to be three and out and then Matt throws for 80. Another three and out, Matt throws, you know, like an 80-yard drive. So, yeah. um I don't think he's going to get to 4,900, but if he can nest somewhere between 42 and 4,500, I think that's a really good thing for the Colts. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Jake. Of course. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Jake. I, I appreciate that. Uh, let's go to Ethan. Ethan, how you doing? Make sure and unmute yourself. Oh, I'm doing good. How about you? Couldn't be better. It's a wonderful day. Weather's perfect. Lucas I... Oil Stadium, the roof is going to be open. Yeah, you got actually, all kinds of things going on in town. We're having a great uh-huh. weekend. I actually live in um, Georgia. Do you? I just moved here from Indiana. To Oh, to Georgia from Indiana. So you passed Matt Ryan on the way? Yeah, I, it was actually the week that he got traded here I moved here. <laughs> really? That's funny. Yeah. Maybe you guys use the same U-Haul. Uh, so my question is, is – um. Do you think Alec Pierce is going to be ready by the time the season starts to have a good season? You know, I I was kind of unsure, but he's been really good in practice lately. I I thought that the catch that he had against the Lions was showed him kind of at a level that is uh, is projectable toward the regular season. And then we had a media availability with him uh, earlier this week where he was just kind of a different cat. We talked to him during OTAs, and we talked to him at the beginning of camp, and he was kind of excited. There was like a a youthful exuberance to him uh, talking to the media. And then this week we talked to him, and he had really kind of calmed himself. And and that, that that's this is me extrapolating from that, maybe facts, not in evidence. But mm-hmm. I think that that calm... It is coming from a place of confidence. And I think that Alec Pierce, I don't think he's going to be like, you know what Pittman was last year, 88 catches, yeah. uh, almost 1,100 yards. I don't think he's that kind of guy. But I, I could he catch 50? Could he get, you know, three a week and, and average between 12 and 14 per catch? I think that he could. I, I think Alec Pierce is kind of ready to do that. He's got great hands, really sticky hands. He's yeah. made some terrific catches out at practice where he's kind of laying out on the sideline, gets both feet down, which is something that college guys 
don't have to do. They only need one foot down. So sometimes it takes a little bit of an adjustment at the NFL level. But he's kind of getting horizontal, planting both feet, grabbing the ball. And and so I like Alec Pierce. And, and I think that he's got a chance kind of to be really good right out of the crate. And, and the guy that um, Rick Venturi always compares him to is Jordy Nelson. And the more I watch, the, kind of the more I see more and more, you know, Rick sees things like in a moment. And like a, something flashes and he sees it. It takes me a lot longer to chew on it and come to the same conclusion. Because I, you know, I wasn't an NFL coach for 26 years. But the more I watch Alec Pierce, the more I think, oh, Coach Venturi's right. That's a lot like Jordy Nelson. Yeah, 100%. So have you, obviously, you still dig the Colts. You haven't thrown the Colts overboard to go oh, ahead yeah. and root for the Falcons, have you? No way. Good. Good. What what took you down to Atlanta, if you don't mind me asking? Um, uh, a lot of, uh, most of my family lives in Georgia. We all used to live in Indiana, but we always wanted to move down south. Because of the weather or what? Yeah, the weather, the beach. Um, we've been here a lot for vacation and stuff. So yeah, good it's pretty you. nice down here. Good for you. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Ethan. No problem. Have a good rest of your night. You too. Thank you. That's uh, Ethan. And uh, I like it. You know what? That's a kind of a personal question. Uh, but I like hearing why people come to Indiana and why they leave Indiana. And, uh, you know, Georgia's pretty nice. I love Indiana. I moved here from Chicago in 1993. And uh, you know what? This wound up being a really, really good place for us uh, that I absolutely love. Uh, people are friendly. Um, people are nice. Nice people aren't everywhere. So, you know, love it here. At any rate, let's talk to Bruce. How you doing, Bruce? Hey, Ken. Hey, I got a two-part question. Okay. One, what time does the game start? 7.30. Okay. All right. That's what I thought. And two, have we got an update on Quiddy Pay's knee? Quiddy Pay, um, it, what we heard was that it was a bone bruise. And then what we heard also was that Frank Reich said that he had a really good look at it when it happened, and he thought that Pay hyperextended it just a little bit. So I'm not sure whether the hyperextension caused the bone bruise or, or whether it was just a simple kind of uh, minor hyperextension, but they expect him to be good for the opener, and he's going to sit tonight, no point in having him play tonight. And he's looked yeah. really good. Uh, like, Pay looks like a guy who's going to take a jump up in class as a sophomore, as you would expect a lot of guys do. You know, defensively. I kind of like the – I'm sorry. I was going to say, I kind of like the idea of him starting on the left end of the line. Yeah. That's better for him. And and Ngakwe is a pure Leo on the right end. And, and so that's where you're going to see Ngakwe more often uh, than not. They're going to move those guys around a little bit. But Quiddy Pay is more sort of that all-around defensive end guy. And Yannick is more kind of that Freeney guy, where if you were a Colts fan back when Freeney played, he got to the quarterback oh, yeah. a bunch. But he would drive you crazy, too, because they would run at him, and then he would run past the ball carrier on his way to the quarterback, hoping that you know he was still going to have the ball and, and was going to be looking for receivers. When that didn't happen, 
you know, the Colts were a little bit susceptible to the run in Freeney's direction. I think that that's going to be um, what we see from Ngakwe as well. And that's okay. As long as he gets the quarterback like a dozen times, we can live with a couple of five-yard gains because Yannick was trying to get to the trying to get to the passer, right? Yep. Um, I like our defensive line, uh, kind of like what you said. I definitely remember yeah. the days when, like, Vince Young would – put 200 yards on us and like we just couldn't stop the <laughs> run back then. It was brutal. Yeah, I, I think the the one guy who's the least heralded, right, because uh, Quiddy was a first-round guy, DeForest was a first-round guy, plus the Colts gave up a first-rounder for him, Grover Stewart. Grover yep. Stewart. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Grover. Boy, oh boy, does that guy look good. He looks good stopping like the run. Grover. He looks good avoiding blockers. On the offensive, uh, on the opposite offensive line, he looks. You, you look at that defense. If you went out to practice and you watch that defense, you were like, "Wow, look! Either our offensive line has troubles, and our receivers have trouble getting open, or this defense is really fast and really, really good." And we're going to start to see that 15 days from today. And I think that's going to be the fascinating part of the season to see what Gus Bradley as a defensive coordinator can do with these guys. Uh, I think they have a chance to be special. Thanks, Bruce. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. It's always great, Bruce. And yep, I want no to problem. remind everybody that not only is the game on uh, at 7.30, but it's on CBS 4. I got a little bit confused earlier this week, and I said it was on Fox 59. They're from the same kind of building. Yeah, same ownership, CBS 4 and Fox 59. So they, they bounce the games from one to the other. They're the partners for the Colts in the preseason. It'll be Greg Reichstraw and Rick Venturi on the call as always. And Rick Venturi, for me, is just a pleasure to listen to. I love listening to Rick Venturi talk about football. Um, for those of you who don't know, in a previous life I and kind of a current life, I was a radio station program director, uh, primarily sports talk, some news talk, uh, but I worked in St. Louis at 101 ESPN and, and ran that programming. And Rick Venturi was one of our uh, one of our hosts. He and a guy named Zach McCright, who's from New Albany, Indiana. They had a show in the middays, and Rick prepared for that show like no host I've ever seen. He prepares for games like no analyst I've ever seen. He prepares for these broadcasts as though he's still coaching the defense for both of those teams. He logs probably 60 hours of work for every game he does. And so tonight, as you're watching the game on CBS 4, he is going to tell you what's going on. And I used to sit with him up in the press box of the Edward Jones Dome in St. Louis. And and we had these little gadgets, these little small TVs that had the all-22 view and Rick had it and he'd wind it back. He could wind it back to the previous play and he'd show me exactly where things broke down. He from the press box could see all 11 matchups, see where the matchups went south, identified immediately and, and show me. And it was an incredible education. It was kind of like a, a doctoral class every Sunday that I got a chance to sit with Rick and, and learn about football. Rick spent 41 years coaching football, 26 of them in the NFL. He was a head coach twice, both times. He was an interim head coach. And so people like, they dog out Rick because Rick's record as a head coach was not gaudy. 
You know what I mean? He had Northwestern playing right now against Nebraska, headed to the fourth quarter in Nebraska by four. Northwestern, at the time that Rick was the coach, they didn't want to spend any money on football whatsoever. And, and Northwestern's going up against Ohio State, Michigan, Purdue, Michigan State, Iowa, Wisconsin. And of course they weren't going to win. And then he goes to the NFL and he's a defensive coordinator. He's elevated to the interim head coach. I think when Ron Meyer got fired, of course he wasn't going to win. And then he's with the same, like they don't fire a head coach because they think that they're going to win with a, an interim head coach. They just want the old guy out of town because nothing good is going to happen with the old guy there. Uh, with the Saints, same deal. I think he was the, uh, maybe when Ditka got fired, he came in as the interim guy. Anyway, Rick Venturi knows a tremendous amount about football and, and what he communicates to us every single game uh, on the radio during the regular season, but on the TV during the preseason is just invaluable in, in terms of you and I getting to learn the game a little bit better. And, and because of our relationship and our friendship, when I go to practice, you know, I'll stand next to Rick and, and Rick, he shares like whatever wisdom he feels appropriate at the time. And it's an incredible education for me. And, and so I'm going to be thankful to Rick forever. My enjoyment of football has been enhanced so much over the past 10 years of, of my friendship with Coach Venturi. I, I can't even begin to tell you how much more I know about football today than I did. And, and that's true for the media in Indianapolis and fans in Indianapolis because Rick is not just generous with me or during broadcasts, but if Zach Kiefer or Stephen Holder or Mike Chappell or George Bremer, any of those guys have a, a question about something that's going on, they come up to Coach, they ask him, and Coach shares I exactly what the deal is because he's been there, done that. And it's, it's absolutely phenomenal that, that he does that with us and does that for us. He has made the media in this city much more knowledgeable about the game of football than they would have been without him being here. And, and that is certainly true for me. Um, thanks to everybody for joining us. Thanks to people who activated themselves and became callers. Um, we get some of the same callers every week, which is terrific. I really enjoy that and getting to know people. Have fun tonight. We got about four hours until the kickoff tonight. Tom Brady's last visit to Indianapolis as an active football player. I cannot believe this isn't going to be his last season. And what I really hope for him tonight is that somebody in a Colts uniform absolutely obliterates him, knocks him right on his ass, and uh, he has that as his – that – and Melvin Bullitt getting that stop on fourth and two back in, what was that, 2008, 2009? Well, I think it was 09. In that beautiful game where Belichick blinked and went, went for it, fourth and two on the Patriots 29. And, uh, and the Colts wound up winning that game and a great comeback. Just fantastic. Great stuff. I want that to be Brady's memory, but I want tonight getting hit so hard that his ribs feel it for about the next decade. That'd be fantastic. Have a great night. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Go to the game. Don't whine about the roof being open and go Colts.